Praise God. Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Master. We thank you for all your children that, are, that you have brought here and assembled here on the first life team of this year. Father, you know that you never waste an opportunity to speak to your children. You never waste an opportunity. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in your presence, there you promise Jesus that you will be in their midst. Therefore, Lord, we believe that your Holy Spirit, which represents your office, is right now in our midst. And therefore, Lord, you will give utterance of speech, you will teach us your word, and you'll help us to walk into your revelation by which we can live this year. We thank you. In faith we receive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But the message title is Walking in the Light. Say Walking in the Light. Walking in the Light. Walking in the Light. And it is interesting that, you know, uh, I know walking in the light appears very theological, Christianese in that sense, but hey, we're going to break it down this, uh, this evening time. What does it mean walking in the light? Why was light so important with God and what does it mean walking in the light this year? I'll tell you why it's important. Uh, uh, many of you know I, I, I do a lot of investments in terms of for my personal uh, uh, investment type. And I've seen that I'm never able to time the market. When I buy high, the market is going down. When it's going down, uh, I'm selling. You know, it's like all kinds of things. Or, or I, nor can I predict, nor I'm able to predict in the past about things about my work, things about my career. You know, everything, everything doesn't seem to, you, you know what I mean? There is, it doesn't seem to be happening when I expect it to happen. There's just this disappointment, almost like I wish I do not hope for those things because what I hope for will not happen. Please do not even mention it because it will not happen. You have this pr problem that people have that anytime they say something good, they say touch wood. You know? <laughs> Where does that come from? What, touch, what wood are you touching, right? It's almost like, I'm going to say something good, but touch wood, you know? So we have come to a generation of touch words, you know? <laughs> That's not what we are called to be as a believer. So it's almost like, why are we not getting what we are believing for? Why, why are we stumbling? What, when, do, when we expect some things, why is those things not happening? And God's telling very clearly, it's because you are not walking in the light. You're walking like the world walks. The world walks in darkness. Serious. But when we became born again and believers, we are supposed to now walk in the, in the light. We are not supposed to stumble. We are not supposed to stumble. But the Bible says that the wicked walk in darkness. So let's come, come here to the whole point is, okay, I'm a believer, but how is my lifestyle and my ways of dealing with men and the economy, business, my family, how is it different from an unbeliever? And you really look back at it and say, I am as much wrong as they are wrong. <laughs> I mean, I am as right as they are right. Both, that's not the lifestyle that you and I as believers are supposed to have. We are supposed to walk in the light and never stumble. That's a tall order, but that's a demand on you. But it is, you will not stumble because you can walk in the light. So the, the reason is, so the question comes to you, so what is this light that the Bible talks about? Let's now differentiate light, okay? Are you all ready for some teaching? Okay, are you all ready for some deep teaching? I don't know whether it's deep, but at least we'll break down the light problem, okay? 
Okay, the first mention of light in the Bible is Genesis. Genesis. Okay, let's go to Genesis. Quickly. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 onwards. And let's read that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, what existed in the beginning? God. God always existed. What, what did He create first? Heavens and the earth. Okay? So, there were heavens and there were earth. So, heavens and the earth was already created. And we do not have a time frame when they were created, by the way. They already existed. In the beginning, God had already created it. We do not have a chronology of when that was created. And the Bible says in verse 2, The earth was without form, void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That means there was darkness everywhere. So darkness already existed. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that good. Now, you will say, why did I drop, it was good? There's a reason. Because it is in italics in your Bible, correct? Yes. Correct? Yes. It is not there in the original manuscript. It is added for convenience. But the authors got it wrong. Because light is not it. Light is a person. And you will recognize it later on in the Bible. Let's, let's we'll come back to it. So just, just remember, light is not it. He is not talking about the it light. He is talking about a totally different light. How do I know? How, how, you'll say, how do, how do you know that? Let me ask you. Where did this light come from? Did it come from the sun or the moon? The sun or the moon are not even created yet. So yet there is light. So the light... So it said, let there be light and there was light. God saw the light and good. And God divided the light from the darkness. So we know that there is light and there is darkness. And he called the light what? Day. He called the darkness night. Do we have the sun here? But still there is a day and still there is a night. Correct? So what does it say is... Long after the sun is gone, long after the moon has ceased, there will still be a day and there will still be a night. Amen? Because the day and the night is not contingent on the moon and the sun. So obviously there is some other light that he's talking about. There is this light that God called out of darkness and he says that that light is good. And he says that that light is the solution to a dark earth. And he says, let that... So before he even created anything productive on the earth, he called forth what? He wanted light. Let me suggest to you that this light is a person. And the Bible talks about it in John chapter 1. Starts off the creation story again. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the word was God. And he starts breaking down and tells us who that light is. Amen. So still, let's sit there. And then God said the firmament. Then he comes to the... And then, in verse 8. Then he created the waters. Sun and the moon is still not in. We are still at verse 9. Where are we? 
when, when do we get the sun and the moon? <laughs> I mean, just check this out. I mean, the, the grass is already growing. But I thought grass needs the sun, right? I thought, how can grass grow without the sun? God, grass needs light. But which light is this grass growing in? In the light that he just called forth. Hmm. Oh, I never looked at it that way, right? And grass. Okay, keep going. Seeds. Grass. Oh, that, so then he created what? Then he created the stars. It's almost as if God is not no hurry to create. Is no hurry to create the sun and the moon to almost prove a point. You know, you think you need the sun and the moon? Let me tell you, it's almost like an afterthought. He's saying, okay, let me create some stars first. Okay, so he goes and creates stars for signs and seasons. Almost as if that is more important. In fact, the Bible talks about that the. Suns, the stars are for signs and seasons. So by looking at the sun's signs, and the Bible talks about the signs in the sky, will proclaim the coming of Jesus. Remember, the stars foretold the wise men that Jesus was going to be born. So it was a sign, isn't it? It was a sign. So it fulfilled the purpose for which it was created. Yes, all the stars was created for that man can see and say that the Son of Man is going to be born. Wow, as signs. Okay. And seasons for days and years. And, and let there be lights. And then in verse 16, he made two great lights. To rule the day and to rule the night. To cause the day and cause the night. To rule the day and to rule the night. So back to the question. What light is he talking about? So this day and the night is definitely not the day and the night that you and I think about, correct? It's definitely not because the sun and the moon just rule the day and the night. They are not causing the day and the night. God had already named day and night before he had already created the sun and the moon. Think about it. Yes, no? Obviously, he's talking about an important light, okay? Now sustain with me. Now we saw in Genesis that this light is totally different. Than the light that you and I think is light. Amen. And in fact the word Hebrew is. Ore. And the lights that he said in moon and uh, sun. Is called more. They are two different lights. The first is ore. And the other one is more. Yet these are lesser lights. These are not the lights that he's talking about. He's talking about the light. The ore. The great light. The great light. Okay. Okay, let's go back to Exodus. Interesting, right? Now we'll come to a time when there is sun and there is moon, but yet God proves a point of light and darkness. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. Ex Exodus chapter 10. Israel had light in their 
Say light in their dwellings. Let me ask you a question. What light is he talking about here? If it is dark over Egypt, how is there light in the dwellings of Israelites? It's dark over Egypt, but there is light over the dwellings of Israelites. The Israelites lived among the Egyptians. Okay, they had Goshen, which was far, but the Bible doesn't say over their dwellings, in their dwellings. That means there was light, like you are sitting in a room right now, it's dark outside, but there is light inside. Talk about which light? The same light that God called out of darkness. In fact, this darkness is no ordinary darkness. Why? Yeah? You can feel it. How many of you can feel the night? You cannot feel the night. Or do you feel a shadow? You know. But this darkness can be felt. He said, stretch out your hands. Let darkness come. A darkness that can be felt. So the darkness is different and the light is different. Still the same point. It is not daylight. It is not night. It is a different light. It is a different darkness. The darkness that covers all of humanity. The darkness that surrounds every man that is born, a woman that is born in this earth, is born under that darkness. You and I were born into this world into a darkness that can be felt. Amen? And you need a light that cannot be felt. That can be felt also. Sorry. You also, but you, you don't need photonic light. You need a light that can be felt. Amen? And the Bible says that light comes only from one person. Hold on. Let's go to a different point. Let's go to... Remember the uh, Exodus chapter 14 verses 19 and 20. And you don't have to go there. Remember the cloud that came between Israel and Egyptians while they were fleeing? The Bible says that the cloud was light to the Israelites and darkness to the... I mean the same cloud. Sorry is light to the Israelites and darkness to the... Tell me a cloud that has light. Clouds do not have light. How many... Have you seen clouds with light? No. But it's definitely a different cloud he's talking about here. He's talking about the light that comes not from the sun, that light that comes from God himself. But the same light, it's the same cloud. It is darkness to the Egyptians and light to the Israelites. Amen? You're still sustaining on the point? Let me give you a final example. How many of you know the tabernacle? Le Le Leviticus chapter 16. I'll go there. Leviticus chapter 16. Oh, oh sorry. Exodus chapter 40 verse 21. Somebody can read that. Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40, verses 21. Okay, how many, uh, do you, uh, how many of you know the construction of the uh, tabernacle? You know, so you've seen the uh, diagrams of the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant, where the mercy seat is, where those two cherubs, they overshadow the mercy seat, this Ark, rests in the most holy place, correct? What else is in the holy place? Yeah? What's that? 
<laughs> you need to know the ark of the uh, the tabernacle the construction is a picture of jesus christ amen inside the holy place no that is in the ark correct apart apart from the ark what else is in the holy place no there is no lampstand in the holy place there is nothing I was waiting for lampstand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back to read Exodus chapter 40 verse 20. Okay, what does it say? He took the testimony. Testimony means the the ark. It contained the testaments, the 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 Ten Commandments that was written. Remember, he had Moses had destroyed one copy, so God had to create one more. and write it again so he said you cannot you can destroy the rock but hey the law will still stand right <laughs> you can do whatever you want to do with the testament but re- i can write it back again right so he wrote it again and then he put aaron's rod uh, in that and a pot of manna so there are three items in the ark of the testimony and it's called the testimony and the testimony and put it and put and he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung up the veil right away remember the veil Do you remember the veil that was split at the uh, death of Jesus Christ? What does the Bible talk about that veil? That veil was thick and it was tall. It could not be torn. Cannot be torn. Josephus talks about it that that veil was torn from the top down. It is impossible. It was thick, thick. Because just after the ark was put in, the veil was put in. That's it. There's nothing else in the holy place. Nothing. Nothing. After, uh, then look at verse twenty-two. and he put the table in the tabernacle of meeting now he's outside the holy place on the north side outside the veil he set the bread on the top of it and verse 24 where is the lampstand he put the lampstand in the tabernacle of the meeting i thought you need the ta- lampstand to minister to god right no So there is a veil and there is a ark. Then how did the priest minister in this darkness? Okay, le- let me let me take you to a passage, Leviticus chapter sixteen verse two. Le- Leviticus chapter sixteen verse two. Now the Lord said to Moses, "Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time." into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark lest he die for i appear in the cloud above the mercy seat wow now he is talking to moses now this is powerful i mean i your hair will stand up he says tell moses don't take me casually don't just walk in any time he wants into the holy place I, he'll die Wow. Let me repeat. He's telling the first high priest. He's telling the first high priest, just don't walk in any time you want into the most holy place. I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat and you will die. Man, you serve a holy God. A powerful God. He doesn't need no candle stand to light that place up. His whole shakana glory blows that place up. He's got so much power you cannot stand in the presence. In fact, they said when the shakana glory of God appeared, 
Forget the holy place. They could not stand in the tabernacle of the meeting itself. In fact, Moses and Aaron were outside. I mean, they are supposed to be in the holy place. The glory cannot sustain. Could not remain. Just It all flew all over the place. In fact, the Bible says no one has seen God. Nobody can look at God in His face. The Bible talks very clearly. No one. In fact, Jesus made a statement. No one has seen my Father. No one. You can see me. No one can bear to see my father. In fact, Israel had the biggest problem. Remember when God descended on Mount Sinai? Their biggest complaint was, please tell God not to talk to us. We cannot bear the sight. I mean, we always like, big deal. I mean, we are used to Star Wars and Hollywood and hey, they saw something much beyond that that you and I cannot imagine. They saw dread that no man has ever seen. They saw lightning and thunder and fire that nobody could sustain. Now here he's talking about a light that was in the mercy seat, or the mercy seat, which was different from the light of the lampstands. So it was the light of God. The same light that he talked about, out of darkness. He's making a point. I want men to walk in light, not physical daylight. Because if you can walk in the light, you will not stumble. Say not stumble. There is one man who showed that he can walk in the light, And his name was Jesus Christ. He came down to earth and said, I can walk in this light. I told man to walk in this light. You can walk in this light. Tell me an incident when Jesus Christ stumbled on his earthly ministry as a man. Stumbled. Stumbled in the sense, something happened to him that he was not expecting. That's stumbling, correct? What is stumbling? A blind man stumbles when he meets an object that he was not expecting. So what is stumble? Stumble doesn't mean fall. Stumble doesn't mean, stumble means that I am taken off guard or something that I did not expect, correct? Tell me an incident in Jesus' life that something happened that he was not expecting or something unaware that he stumbled. No. He knew everything. He knew everything that was happening. He, he's, he knew, and we'll go to a powerful passage that contrasts the difference between walking in the light and walking in the darkness. Okay? Are you all there? Amen? We definitely see two different kind of lights. Okay. Let's... God asked Job a question. Job chapter 38 verse 19. Somebody can read that? Job chapter... 38 verse 19. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? So Job is asking, remember this question finally, Job had a lot of complaints and finally God says, okay, you have asked all these questions to me, let me ask you a few questions. Okay, try answering me. And he starts, and one of his questions is, God is asking, where is the way to the dwelling of light and and darkness? See, so obviously the implication is what? What is the implication? So he's saying where is the dwelling of light and of darkness? So what is the implication to Job here? He's asked a lot of questions. All his questions have a common thread. The thread is what? Job doesn't know. Right? So if somebody asks me where does light come from? So my answer is the sun. 
So obviously that is not the right answer here, right? So when he's asking him a question, where is the dwelling of light and darkness, he's not really talking about physical light. Because Job would say, hey, I know that one. <laughs> you know? I mean, all the questions, I know that one. Obviously that is not the implication. The implication is, do you know the dwelling of light? And Job says, no. Because what I see as the light of the sun is not what you're asking, sir, right? No. Where is light and darkness? And uh, it's interesting that uh, you had sent that link. How many of you have got Bobby's link about the testimony of that uh, equidentum world, which Aaron had actually forwarded to Bobby? And what a powerful testimony. I mean, man, it really shakes you up. I mean, like, shakes your theology a little bit. You know? I'm like, hey, we are not to judge. She saw it, and if that is it, we need to start aligning and checking. Everything check with the word of God. But so much of that is correct according to the word of God. So much. So much. Michael Jackson pictures, stuff like that. Because then suddenly you start seeing the, the motivation for the thriller song. Correct? What is that? The famous song that he has where he dresses up like a demonic. Every time. I, I like the song and sometimes I see that little visual. Oh man, that is so demonic. That is straight from hell. All the typology and everything is straight from hell. And now we know. There was a fact... There was a pact with the devil out there. We do not know who we are fighting with in this world. The powers and the principalities are very deceiving. In fact, Satan appears as an angel of light to deceive you. And in these days, the Bible says, in the last days, if the elect could also be deceived. So be careful. Be careful that who you look for. You be very careful. I mean, stuff, cartoons, programs, movies, stuff that you think is ordinary. Like that, that movie of uh, Pokemon, that's definitely out. Even that avatar, the, it is preparing you. It's preparing you in typology to more manifestations of demons who actually how they operate. They operate in that realm and they are trying to make it more plain and plain and plain to so much that now it is so open. I mean, this year at my office, they celebrated Halloween because one lady loves Halloween and I was like, and so I, I, they knew that I was out of it. So they said, don't bother on it. You know? I mean, the stuff that people do, I mean, they're celebrating. And the moonwalk. Moonwalk. Interesting was when the Halloween was going on, my office was closed. And they had make the, they switched off the lights. And finally, finally one lady comes to, and my door is closed because they are having a party outside. So it's interesting. And finally, they, one lady comes and knocks and she's got this <laughs> face of a mask of this and she said, can you, can you please uh, close those windows? There's too much light coming in. <laughs> you know, so I was like, God, that is true. Light should come out from this place. <laughs> you know, light should come in. I mean, it should be so much light coming out that there is no Halloweens anymore. Praise God. I'm, I'm praying for that. In fact, they did a lot of things. You know, nowadays if there is an event at the party, they'll say, check with Arnold if that's okay. You know, you know, man, you need to have light. There should be so much light blowing out all these demons out. But I'm saying is, it's important to be careful because now it is becoming so much more, it's just common. I mean, it's like the norm. The point being is, where are we? It's about the thing. How, how interesting that any time a person dies, he sees darkness or light. Though his eyes are closed. 
testimonies. One thing is common. Darkness or light. Either the darkness is so deep that they can't bear or light that is so blinding that they cannot bear. Correct? If it is the sun's light and they are dead, what light and darkness are they talking about? It's talking about the everlasting light and everlasting darkness that is always there. It is there. You die right now, you will see it. Brothers and sisters, you are privileged to have this body to operate in. But now you are privileged to believe that you can receive the light that others can only see after they die. Amen? You can receive that light. I'm talking about supernatural. Are you all ready for some supernatural light this year? Amen? Supernatural light in 2012. Because if you... Ignorance... Lack of ignorance will destroy you. But you can receive. The enemy has kept this light out from the children of God for a long time. Amen? He's talking about light that has been hidden from us. Okay. So... God asked Job, he says, where is the dwelling place of light? Obviously, he's talking about a light that Job doesn't know. And then, Job chapter 29, Job talks about a time in his life where light was upon his life. Read that. Job chapter 29 verse 3. Somebody can read that. Okay, read that whole couple of sentences. Amen. Amen. Oh wow. Do you want to mark that verse? Do you want to claim that for 2012? Now this is what Job is saying. Now Job is suffering and he says, I remember those days. I remember those days. And read it. And you can read it in a different translation. Oh, that I were in times past. As in the days when the Lord watched over me. Do you want that? Remember the promise that came to this live team? What is that promise? His eyes are going to be watchful over you. Job said, those were those days, man, when God's eyes watched over me. Amen? Now he's talking about what happened in those days. He says, when his lamp shone over my head. What lamp? The light of God shone over my head. And by His light, I walked through darkness. You can walk through darkness if you have the light of God. Amen? He's not talking about physical light. He's talking about the light that only Job recognized that he had. He said, by that light, I walked through darkness. Just as I was in the days of my prime, when friendly counsel of God was over my tent. Say friendly counsel. Over my tent. In 2012. Do you want counsel from God? That's a sure sign that you're walking in light. When you walk in light, you have counsel, friendly counsel over your tent. You will never stumble. It's a promise. Job, in the old covenant, enjoyed that blessing of walking in the light. Can we have it? Sure we can. Sure we can. We need to have that. What, what did that light give Job? Tremendous prosperity. I mean prosperity like the man has ever seen. He says in the land, Job, it, the, Job's chapter starts by saying what? Verse, verse 3. So that the man was greatest of all the people of the east. 
That's it. When the light of God is shining on you and the friendly counsel is on your tent, there is no way you can be down. You will be the greatest man in the in your area, in in your domain. But you need the light of God. You need the light of God. You need the light of God. Okay. And then finally, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. The Bible promises finally that this light is going to come. It says, "Arise, shine, for your light has come. Darkness covers the earth, deep darkness. But over you, what happened?" Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. rising it says while darkness is on the over, deep darkness over the people but the lord shall rise over you the lord will rise over you there is darkness all around but the lord has made a promise that he will rise over you in 2012 he'll rise over you you have to receive friendly counsel and the light of god over your life and you will not stumble i have a lot of material to stop and i have to finish it i don't want to move into the next life team because you'll get you'll lose i want don't want to spend one more month without the light of god without counsel amen zechariah prophesied the first time the zechariah zechariah got the prophecy about jesus birth was in luke chapter 1 verse 67 zechariah prophesied and we studied last in last christmas message Ze- this is uh, luke chapter 1 verse 67 luke chapter 1 verse And finally read uh, verse 79. To give light to those who sit in darkness and a shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Okay, we know that again the prophecy that Jesus Christ will bring light to those who sit in darkness. Say bring light to those who sit in darkness. So who brings light? Jesus. So the light that was promised from Isaiah that promised for everybody who lives in darkness is the light of jesus christ okay luke chapter 2 verse 32 now this is simeon prophesying luke chapter 2 verse 32 a light to bring revelation to the gentiles and the glory of your people again he's saying for my eyes have seen your salvation and he's looking at a small baby and he's saying which you have prepared before the face of all people a light and he calls this baby a light to bring revelation to the gentiles and glory to israel so jesus brings glory to israel and light to the gentiles so to you and i he brings light light and glory but light primarily light of revelation to the gentiles so he's come to give us light because we were living in darkness okay gentiles and glory to the people israel Okay, John chapter 1, the creation story. We talked about Genesis, right? Now John gets a complete picture of what Genesis really was talking about. Genesis John chapter 1 verse Now let's read the creation story the way we read in Genesis. And I'll read it. 
in the beginning was the word the word was with god and word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men now we can't trying to break down now we trying to understand what is this supernatural light that god called out of darkness correct number 1 which was in egypt which was in the tabernacle which is what god challenged jonah job to answer where is the dwelling place of light now john is getting a revelation of this light and he saying let me tell you what that light is the light is in him was life and the life was the light of men and was what was five wow and the darkness does not comprehend it or otherwise overcome it wow now this is it's a promise okay i i, I don't know you've never read john in that way but you need to now break it down because i told you why it's so important it is to get this light right you don't care about the sunlight we really want this light he says the love the life of jesus christ is the light of men now it's a, sounds a little theological but what it means is the life of jesus in you is the light that god promised from eternity so jesus is the light the light shines in the darkness and darkness cannot overtake it it's a promise he says this light that god has promised you and i cannot be overtaken by darkness done cannot cannot say cannot cannot, cannot. i mean this now remember this darkness is a darkness not night it's a darkness that can be felt it's real oppressive darkness it is angelic powers demonic powers principalities now, I mean, nobody teaches this in this churches but it is real that's why i like that video because you see principalities and powers remember what this, the demons were doing in that vision they were running faster and faster why because they when the when, when this girl asked jesus he said why are they running so fast and jesus answers is saying because they know that their time is near so they have to accomplish more in a short period of time so they are constantly remember the first heaven the second heaven the third heaven we're talking about different areas of principalities and powers that are stacked in fact there are if you go to that website divinerevelations.com and it it captures a lot of revelations of people who have gone and come and it talks about a lot of the ones that you already seen but it call it one thing common is as people are taken up after they die they go through layers of demon kingdoms because they are stacked over this earth but these powers do not have authority over you and i so we are like light in the dwelling when darkness is outside in egypt you got the problem so now you are like light now all of you as believers have this supernatural shakaina light that is residing in you and this darkness that is outside you is trying to choke and get in into your children into your household because if they can get it in you you can stumble you will not know the next step So that is one of the reason why you say oh I hope that my tomorrow is great. You make those statements because you are living in darkness. Because you cannot see, right? So you say I pray my tomorrow would be great. Why? Because you are living in darkness. You do not have the confidence of the tomorrow because you cannot see. But 
God does not call you to live like that. That's a pathetic lifestyle. How is that different from an unbeliever who lives in darkness? The Bible says Israelites had light in their dwellings. They never had to live by faith in their dwellings. The faith is to believe that you have the light and then you can see the light. And you need to, I mean we are never even started to expect to have that light, right? We almost try to live that, hey that's how all the world lives. But the Bible says, I call you a higher standard. I want you to live by the light of Yeshua. Yeshua, he came to be light to men. Just not to be saved. I mean, if he was supposed to be saved, he would be dead and gone. No, but he wants us to live in this world with the light of Yeshua. Light of Yeshua. Okay. Verse. We read verse 9. This is the true light. Uh, verse 8. John chapter 1 verse 8. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of the light. He's talking about John the Baptist. That was the true light. Which light? Who was the true light? Jesus was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Why does Jesus have to give light to every man in the world? Because they are born into darkness. You get this thing? What darkness? The spiritual darkness. That is real. It is real. See, I'm, I don't know whether I am trying to drive the point. This darkness that you and I live under is a real darkness. And you will say, no, but Lord, I am a believer. There is no darkness. Oh, let me tell you the verses. Let me tell you verses. As believers, you have a choice to live in the darkness. And this darkness is real. It's not just for unbelievers. This is a darkness that you and I operate in. Bulk of your time you spend in darkness. Not, not because you want to. Uh, not, not because you have to, but because you choose to. Serious. I mean, and this is a bold statement, but I'm telling you it's the truth. You walk in darkness. Bulk of the time you walk in darkness. And Jesus says, that's not my wish at all. I know you're saved, but you're walking in darkness. You cannot walk in darkness. Okay. Let's go to Luke chapter 16 verse 8. Luke chapter 16 says, The sons of this generation are more wiser than the sons of light. <laughs> now this is Jesus. What a, what a credibility of believers, right? Okay, Luke chapter 16 verse 8. But he says in the area of one, one specific area. Luke chapter 16 verse 8. Wow! The children... Wow! I mean, just think about it. What is he saying? Jesus, he's your Lord and Savior. And he's saying that the sons of this generation are more shrewd than the sons of light. Now, why is that? Now, if you are a son of light, how can you have an advantage over the sons of this generation? I mean, tell me, tell me this. I mean, you are the son of light. How can you have an advantage over the sons of this generation? How? Sorry, I, I should be asking a different question. How are the sons of this generation have an advantage over the sons of light? How do they have an advantage? But yet the Bible says Jesus. I mean, it's not a, a disciple saying. It's Jesus saying the sons of this generation are more shrewd than the sons of light. Aren't we supposed to be more shrewd? Aren't we supposed to be more wise? 
But we are not. Why? Because though we are sons of light, we walk as if we are in darkness. Wow. Think about it. Just meditate. I mean, think about it. God is... It's not a... It's not a... It's not a... It's not a compliment there. He's... He's talking in like a... Like a shame. You know, it's like... Man, the sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons of light. I mean, he's almost telling like that. I mean... I mean... Was Jesus shrewd? Now, let me ask you a question. Was Jesus shrewd? Man, he was shrewd. He knew what to answer, when to answer, when to walk away, when to stop, when to escape, when to hide. I mean... Jesus was in that sense slick. They could not ever get hold of him. In fact, they had to hire one of his disciples to find out who he is. They didn't even know how he looks. I mean, not because he had any supernatural power. He lived as a man. But he was shrewd. He knew when to walk. We'll give you a beautiful example. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, you don't have to go there. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that the people look at the good works and glorify your father. Okay. John chapter 3. Everybody knows John chapter 3 verse 16. Right? Right? But nobody reads John chapter 3 verse 19. John chapter 3 verse 19 says what? Was we all know that John chapter 3 verse 16 says, He who believes in me shall not perish, but shall have it everlasting life. And then what? For he, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world... He, through him he might be saved. But he who does not believe in him is not, is not condemned. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the condemnation. What is the condemnation? This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness. That is what you are going to be condemned on the last day. Wow! The condemnation on the last day is not anything else that you did lived bad, you lived dirty, you lived ugly, you lusted, you coveted. That's not the condemnation on the last day. Interesting. The condemnation on the last day is in, an, in your inability to recognize the need for light. Let me repeat. I, I want you to... Re let me repeat. The condemnation on the last day before God, the Father, on His throne, is your inability to recognize the necessity for the light of God. This is condemnation. This is condemnation. So if you say that I cannot, I can live without the light of God, the Bible says you are on a pathway to be condemned. You cannot live without the light of God and without the light of Jesus. He says you need the light of Jesus. And this is condemnation. All they're going to say is people love darkness. So I'm saying this is a good check for us. In your life, if anything needs to be hidden from your brothers or from your sisters or from your spouse, very simple check. 
in your life, if anything needs to be hidden from your brothers, from your sisters or from your spouse, that is dwelling in darkness. And that area is going to lead you into condemnation. And you have to be very careful. Because the Bible says, he who lives in the light has no need to hide anything. Because he wants to glorify everything with his God. So that's a great check for these demons who are hiding in your life to make you unproductive. He normally hides in areas of darkness. It's an area that causes shame. So the best way is to confess. That's why he says, confess your sins one to another. Why? Because you're bringing in light. You're bringing this light of Yeshua into an area which is, which the demons hate light. Remember? The demons are in the darkness. They hate light. So, if you have areas in your life that crave darkness, crave darkness, it's an area where the demons are living. I'm telling you. They live there. They thrive there. And they make you unproductive in other areas of your life. Now, this is deep because there are real darkness and there is real light. And you need to expose it. And say, Anand, that is embarrassing. That's fine. Jesus said, it's better to cut your hand than go to hell. I mean, after you see that vision, I mean, you would cut hands. Before seeing that vision, you would not cut hands. But after you see that vision, you cut hands, man. You see hell. I mean, Jesus saw hell. He created hell, okay? Demons did not create hell. God said three times, in three parables, He said, cast the servant into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Cast him into the lake of fire created for the devil and his angels. That's exactly what he said. God is creative God. Can you imagine if he can make something good very well? Man, he can make something bad very well. When God made hell, he made it very good. He made it perfect evil, perfect torment, perfect. And that is why he cries when he sees his children go to that place. Right? That's why you do not wish hell on the worst of your enemies. You never use the word go to hell to anybody in your life. No way. Don't use the word damn it. Don't say it. As children of God, you have no authority to use words hell, damn it, because you do not know what you are saying. You really do not know how evil that darkness is. That evil that darkness is. And so demons hate light. Let your light show shine. This is condemnation. That light has come into the world. And men love darkness. Men love darkness. Now, John chapter 8 verse 12. Now this is after, this. remember this woman who was a sinner and they wanted to stone him. And Jesus started writing and said, He who has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. And after the woman has left from that place, Jesus turns to the crowd and says a powerful statement. I want you to go to John chapter John chapter 8 verse 12. Somebody can read that. Okay, now here Jesus makes the first statement that he's ever made. What does he say? First time. Right, praise God. The first time there is a revelation in the word of God regarding what this light is. He says what? I am the light of this world. That's it. I am the light of this world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Makes a statement. If you follow Jesus... You will not walk in darkness. I have the light of life. Amen? Amen. Okay. 
Let's go to John chapter 9. One of the most, most incredible miracles that the Pharisees and the Jews were dumbfounded and really caused, one of the main reasons caused Jesus to die. One of the reasons he, he was set on the course to be killed by the Jews was this miracle. This was an incredible miracle. It was the miracle of a man who was blind from birth whose eyes were open. For the first time, we have seen blind who was partially blind or blind who became blind. But this was the first incident recorded where a blind from birth had his eyes open. Now let's go back to that. John chapter 9 verses 1 to 5. Okay. Here he's saying, uh, who has sinned? This man has sinned or his parents have sinned that he has become blind from birth, right? He's blind from birth because obviously this man cannot sin, right? How can he be blind from birth? I mean, how do you, how do you sin before you are born? I mean, how, this, so the question itself is like a little illogical question. I mean, how can a man be born blind? And how can he sin? No. So obviously his parents would have sinned. And Jesus clarifies and says, no, no, his parents did not sin. Did not say that they were not sinners. He's saying that this blindness has not come because they specifically sinned. So why did this blindness come? This blindness came because he was, he's, he's fallen. His darkness in this world. He was born into a dark world. And Satan, he's a child of Satan. He's because of that. That's, he's not specifically because he's blind. But he says that the works of God may be revealed in him. And he said, I will work the works of him who sent me. So he says, the works of God is now going to be revealed in this man. Right? So he says, what works? And he says, I'm going to do that work. Say works. works. When God calls you to do works, it's not the works that you think. Oh, to be pious and holy. No, 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 no. He's talking about going ahead and doing by acts of faith the things that God called you. Like raising the dead, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. That's the work. What will glorify him, not glorify you. That's the works of God. Just like Jesus did. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is... While it is day. Where did we first hear the word day and night? Genesis. Genesis. So obviously he's not talking about... Daylight. He's obviously referring to the same day that God has in mind of called day. He says, I must work the works of him while it is day. The night is coming... Again, he's not talking about darkness in terms of physical light. He's talking about the night that God had in mind. The night is coming when no one can work. Who can work? Say no one. It's very powerful. I'll tell you why you need to, why you need to recognize that. A night is coming, brothers and sisters, when no one can work even if you want to. It's coming. It is coming. So you just have a limited opportunity to work and that limited opportunity is called day. You cannot work in the night. I'm telling you. 
you're going to come and that night might appear early for some people if they die right but it might come but it's coming on the world as a whole where you cannot work the holy spirit is going to be taken away it's be done it's be time there's no more time in fact one of the in the vision it constantly jesus kept saying it's too late it's too late in fact jesus talked about it in the passage of the lazarus and the rich man and it said lazarus was pleading now this is the no the rich man was pleading remember the lazarus and the rich man and the rich man said i am in hell but at least send lazarus raise him from the dead and send him to my brothers so that they might not come to this place of torment now he he became an evangelist in hell he became an evangelist in hell i mean hell can make you an evangelist if you forgot your calling <laughs> you don't want to discover your calling there he had a burden for his brothers he's got a Send, send, that is a, about that lady, right? Yeah, see, again, that same thing. She recognizes the effects of her music. So, that is, it matches what the Bible talks about this rich man. He says, send him. I don't want them to come here. Wow. He's got love for his brother. Man, hell is so bad. You don't want to wish it on your enemies. Forget your loved ones. Loved ones. See, so... So what is the point? He says a night is coming when you and I do not have an opportunity to serve. But now is the time to share. 2012 is getting close to that night time. And you and I have to share. You and I have to declare the light. Let your light see it. Do not cover your light under a pot. Let it shine. Let my father get the glory. Amen. Now, beautiful. He clarifies what this day and night is in the next verse. What does he say? Verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now why does he have to say that to this man? Because he's not confused, right? He's saying, I can, I have to work this light while it is day, but not night is coming when it is not. And he's saying, when will the night come? And he clarifies this in the next verse. When will the night come? What does it say? Verse 5. As long as I am in the world, it is it, I as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Therefore, what is right now? Day. See day? Daytime, folks. It is daytime. It's daytime in your life right now. Because why? As long as Jesus is in this world, it is day. Say day. It is daytime. There is no night in your life. So you can work. So there's an advantage to being in daytime. What is the advantage to be in daytime? You can work. Number 1, number 2. You can see. You can see, therefore, you will not stumble. Can you believe? Now we're now we're breaking it down, right? This light is Jesus. This as long as Jesus is in your life, you will not Stumble, and you can do all the works that God has promised through Jesus Christ. Say daytime, folks. Daytime. It's daytime. Actually, the message should be titled "It's daytime." Seriously, it's daytime. It's daytime. It's you will not stumble. Now, if a believer says, "I do not know about tomorrow," you say, "Brother, it's daytime. You better know about your tomorrow. 
In fact, Kenneth Copeland talks about a message and he's a pilot. Many of you know about him. He's a pilot and he says, in, San, in California, it's, it's a rainy day, it is cloudy, it is moist and it is dark and dingy and the spirits are low. All you do is take your flight on, get on the runway and take off. And suddenly, what happens? You break through the clouds and it's springtime in California. And he, and, he, and he quotes this example and he says many people, many people say I only wish that the sun will come out and he says fool the sun is already out <laughs> it has been out all day it is the clouds that are in between get rid of the clouds and the sun is always there since the sun is always there in your life who is the sun? Jesus is your light it cannot be dark in your life you have to, cannot stumble you cannot say my, you know, I don't know, I fear my tomorrow. Because you are, what? Can you, how can you, you have the light of Jesus in your life. You cannot stumble. And Jesus clarifies, he says, I have to, I have to be fast, right? Because it is light, I can only work in the daytime. And the problem is, I am also the day. <laughs> you know? So the day goes to work for day. Now Jesus was a unique position where he himself caused the day and he himself had to work in the day. So it was like he himself was the light and he can only work, work in his life. Do you think he had to work in a different light than you are expected to work in? No. How do you think he did the miracles? By his name? In his name. Because he worked as a man in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So in the light of Jesus the light of God, that is himself, he caused things to happen and glorified God. Amen? He expects you to do the same thing. No change. He says, so I am the day and I am the man who is walking in the day, but I have to leave. Therefore, I cannot, I have to heal you before I leave. Because I can only heal you when I am around. I don't know whether you get it. It's a complex problem. But you can heal and open the eyes of the blind because it's daytime right now. Daytime right now. And then he did that. It's daytime folks. So walk in it. And let's go to Lazarus chapter. I wanted you, so much wanted you to go to this passage. Perfect passage which contrasts walking in the light and walking in the day. And you show how it applies to... Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Let's do John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And I want you to... I know it's a little late but... Can you hang in there? Yes. Amen? Can you hang in there? Amen. Let's go to... Uh, this, you, this will blow your mind. John ch- chapter 11. How many of you know Lazarus' story? Right? Lazarus was raised from the dead. Let's, let's go through this passage very quickly and contrast how Jesus walked in the light and how everybody else was in darkness. Okay? Here we go. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her mother Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And the brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When, the, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, he hears a report that Lazarus is sick. What was Jesus' response? This sickness is not going to kill him. Why? Because Jesus 
is in the light. He can see. Say, he can see. He can see. Keep reading. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. Say two more days. In the place where he was. Now why did he wait two more days? So every time I ask you a question, you should say, because he can see. Okay? Let's do that again. Okay? <laughs> so he said, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Why did he stay two more days? Because he can see. What can he see? Huh? He can see that the Jews were waiting for Jesus to kill him in, Laz, in Judea. Why? Because he had just escaped out of Judea. Remember he healed the blind man? And the Jews are, were out to stone him and kill him. And he waited because now, guess, they are searching for Jesus and Jesus escaped. Where would be the most likely place that Jesus would be there? To his closest friend when he is sick. So they were waiting. How do you know that? Say, yeah, I can see. I can see. Jesus can see. Jesus can see. Jesus can see. Now, and then, verse 7, then he, after this he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Why? Because he had just been to Judea, right? And he was just about to get killed. So he's saying, let us go to Judea again. Why did Jesus say, let us go to Judea again? Oh, only JR got it right. <laughs> you guys are under training now. <laughs> Let me ask you again. Oh, there's a point. There's a point behind what I'm saying. And Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Why did Jesus say, Let us go to Judea again? Because he can see. Now, what does Jesus see? They were tired of waiting, they tired of waiting and they've gone. <laughs> because he can see. Now, look at what the disciples say. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, Lately, now, now, I, now the passage breaks down, right? Jesus, now, <laughs> it's interesting that when the first time he said, I will wait for two more days, the disciples were, wow, thank God. <laughs> Nowhere do you see the disciples saying, oh, it's your friend. Don't you think you need to heal your friend? Man, they were afraid of their skin, right? <laughs> These are the unsaid lines in the gospel message. The fact that they did not say anything was like, oh yes! <laughs> Thank God he stayed back. We don't want to get killed. I mean, he, he is God, but we have skin. <laughs> Our skin hurts. We don't want to be killed. Yeah. Now when Jesus says, let us go to Judea again, they say, <coughs> the, the uh, disciples say, Rabbi, lately the Jews were going to stone you. I mean, Stone is the ultimate punishment in the Jews. There's no more. There's nothing more. If you are to crucify, you need the permission of the Romans. But stoning is allowed. That is one of the reasons why they did not kill Jesus. Because they could not crucify him because they had to ask the Romans to. to because Roman, capital punishment was only reserved for the Romans. They could stone him, but even for that... They needed permission, but you know, according to the religious activities, they could possibly get away with that, with the Romans. So the point being, let me ask you a question, okay? Let me see whether you can answer this correctly. 
So why did the disciples say, Rabbi, lately the Jews are going to stone you and you are going there, in question mark. Why did the disciples say? Oh, you are good. You are good. Because they couldn't see. Why could they not see? Because they are walking in darkness. They can't see. They, they have no idea. They have no clue. They are walking in darkness. Right? So they need what? To see. Who is the light? So when Jesus is around, what they have to do? They have to ask Him. So you need a lot of Jesus in this world today. Do you have it? Yes. It's called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you got this Holy Spirit walking personally as the light. So you have a problem? Do what? Ask Him. Have you lived like this before? Maybe. But can you live this as a lifestyle? Sure you can. I mean, just as an ordinary day with God, Jesus. Now, I, we just happened to glance on it because it happened to coincide with an important event in Jesus' ministry. The ministry, the miracle of Jesus, Lazarus raising from the dead. Do you think Jesus lived unlike this on any other day? This was his common method. He always lived like this. He always saw. He always knew. See, so that is why he was effective in three years of ministry. He was effective like this. He could do so much more because no wasted time. He just knew when to go. When to go. He, he knew when to not get killed ahead of time. Important thing, right? Good for you. In fact, one place he says, it's good for your sake that I didn't go. <laughs> now it breaks it down. I would have been killed, buddy. If I had gone there. I don't want to go before ahead of time. It's for your sake I didn't go. I don't want to go ahead of time. But now you can believe what I told you. That the Jews were waiting that the thing is dead. The Lazarus is dead. Okay. Let me ask you. Okay. Then Jesus makes a statement. And this is what I want you to underline. This. The ones who stayed till the end gets this. <laughs> verse chapter 9. Chapter 9. Uh, verse 9. Jesus answered. Say what? Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he shall not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if he walks in the night, he stumbles because he's, the light is not in him. Wow. Do you get this? Now he's saying, now why would he make that statement to disciples who are asking him, should I, why are you going to Judea? How is this answer related to his going to Judea? Have you ever wondered when you looked at this passage where he talks about this? I have 12 hours in a day. If I walk in the day, I will not stumble. In the night, if you walk, you will stumble. How is this related to him going to Judea? Does it make sense now? It makes sense right now. He's saying, I can walk in the day because I can see the light. But there are 12 hours and now I can see. So God is expecting you to walk in the day. Just like this. This, this. this two verses tells you the demand of a believer. Walk in the day. And in fact he says, interesting. If you see the difference between the two ways. Because he sees the light of this world. What is the light of this world? Okay. But in, the, in a physical realm, the, the sun is the light of the day. But in the night, if one walks in the night, he stumbles. Because, because he cannot see what? Because he cannot see what? The light of? The thing. 
why would Jesus not say that and say this? But if one walks in the night, he stumbles. Because the light is not in him. Do you get the point? Why would he say that? Why would he not say, if he walks in the night, he stumbles? Because he does not see the light of the day. Just like he said about the first one. Why is he saying? The point being that you would not stumble even in the night if you have the light in you. Wow. Do you get this? That is, even though there is no daylight, you can still walk if you have the light in you. So Jesus, right? Do you get that? I mean, wow. Jesus, I can walk in the night, in a physical night, forget spiritual night. I can walk in this night if I have the light of Jesus. Man, Jesus is so particular when he makes those words, right? He's, no, he's not loose with his words. He's trying to make a physical point here. But even in this physical point, he's saying, lest I limit you, lest a believer down the years has to walk in a dark night, lest that there is no sun and no torch and there is no flashlight, I still don't want my son to stumble because my light in him is enough. Because believe me, if Jesus makes a statement that you cannot walk in the night because he cannot see the light of the day, that's it. It is settled forever. You will never walk in the light. Thank you, Jesus, for not limiting us. Amen? Amen? Are you not excited when you see these verses where nothing is loose, nothing is amiss? You can walk. How much more you can walk in spiritual darkness? Walk out of spiritual darkness if you have the light of God. Can you live without the light of Jesus Christ? You cannot. You can survive. But you cannot do the great acts of God. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. And Jesus said, and then he says in verse 11, and these things he said, and after these he said, my our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I might wake him up. Why did he say that? Because he saw that? Because, because he saw that Jesus, Lazarus had just died. He saw it. And the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Why did they say that? Because they cannot see it. No, he is dead. But they cannot see it. They cannot see it. However, however Jesus spoke of his death and they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I am not dead. That you might believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who is called twin, said to his fellow disciples, said, let us go also that we may die with him. Why did Thomas say that? Because he could not see. He thought that he was going to die. Now tell me this. How many times... Do you see the contrast between what they expected, what they saw, versus what Jesus was seeing? Right? So much. Now, was it because he was the son of God? Or was it because he saw the light? He's had the light in him, right? He walked in the light. He walked in the light. He expects you and I to walk in the light also. You can walk in this light. So, we, see, look at him. So, they're constantly making a mistake. So, Thomas is thinking now he's going to die, but he's, they are going to live. And ultimately, you know how the story ended. Martha comes running out, saying that if you were here, my father, brother would die, live. Because she's in darkness. She has no idea. But she has a little faith. 
She says that he will live in the resurrection. But that's not enough. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the light. You believe in me, you will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see. That's the verse 26. If you believe, you will see. You will see. And then finally, verse 41. And Jesus, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up, lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have always heard me. When did Jesus pray? When did Jesus pray? Jesus was groaning and uh, groaning in his spirit, remember? When he saw Mary crying and the Jews crying and that groaning was a groaning for unbelief. He was looking at the lack of faith. Of the, she, He had come with great faith. Martha had some faith. Martha said, in fact, Martha made a statement. Martha made a statement. But now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Wow, she had that faith, little faith she had. Something you can do, Lord. But Mary did not even have that faith. Mary said, man, it's a hopeless case. And the Jews were crying. In fact, Jews went one step further. They said, the man who opened the eyes of the blind could not keep this man, his friend from dying. Wow, that is some, some, some. I mean, it's almost like rubbing it in, you know. So Jesus started groaning. But, but my, my, my point is, when you live in the light, you don't have to pray as much as you can give thanks. Your thanksgiving will exceed your supplications. Write it down. When you live in the light, your thanksgivings will exceed your supplications. One good check to know in your life, if you are, if you are walking in darkness, is you are supplicating more. Because you ask and supplicate because you cannot see. But if you can see, you will thank more. Because the Bible says, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And God, no eye has seen nor ear has heard what God has made for those who love Him. But He has revealed it by my Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit... God will give you a tremendous revelation of the things to come. In fact, one of the offices of the Holy Spirit is He will tell you of the things to come. Things to come. Say things to come. If you do not know of the things to come is because we are living in darkness. And the Holy Spirit is given as a light to you. He will tell you of things to come. He will tell you things to come. And you say, no, no, Anil, I've never, I've never, I don't, I never know what's going to happen. But because we are never asked, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Holy Spirit, tell me what's going to happen. Tell me about my job. Tell me about my life. Tell me about my ministry. Tell me about everything. Tell me about my small thing. Tell me if the Jews are there waiting for me. You know, as simple as that. Tell me about my enemies. Tell me everything, Lord. Tell me. Because then I can thank you, Lord. I don't have to pray. Because I can see you have taken care, right? Because now you can walk in faith. You will thank more. You will thank more. You will thank more. Acts chapter 26, verses 16 to 18, and you can read that later on. It's a commission of Jesus Christ, direct commission to Jesus, to Paul. When Jesus met Paul at the, uh, in Damascus, on the road to Damascus, he told him this exact words. It's in red letters in your Bible. And read the, read the verse. It says that my assignment to you is for you to sh- turn 
Open the eyes. Acts chapter 26, verses 16 to 18. To open their eyes. My primary goal of Paul is with the gospel of Jesus Christ to open their eyes in order to turn them from the darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Primary job. The primary job of the gospel in your life is to open your eyes to the light of God. Open your eyes. So we have received the salvation of God, but we are walking in darkness. Hey, it comes as a package. You're supposed to walk in the light. Walk in the light. Like Job said, I remember those days when I had the light of God over my tent and the counsel of God over my... light of God over my head and the friendly counsel of God over my tent. You want it. You cannot live without it. You need the light of God over your life. You need the light of God in your life. And Jesus says, that's what I called you for. We, and First Thessalonians verse 5 verse 1 to 6 says, We are the sons of light. We are the sons of day. Therefore be watchful and be sober. Do not, do not partake of the things of the world just like everybody else does. You are not. You are the children of the light. One very important warning. Is by in First John, and I want you to go there because it's so serious. Because this is one area where, brother, where, where as believers we walk in darkness. First John, and remember, John wrote Revelation, but he really didn't write. He wrote the book of John, but as an epistle, as a letter, he only wrote these two letters, very few pages. First John and Second John, and Third John, right? Three Johns. Okay, I want you to go to First John, chapter two. First John, chapter two, verse eight. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That means Jesus is already come and the light of Jesus is already here. And then verse 9, very powerful. He says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now this is a warning. This is, this is serious. The reason many of us cannot see, though we are the sons of light, is because we do not love a brother. Brother, not an unbeliever. If you do not love one of your own, a brother in the church, a brother in the fellowship, a brother anywhere, then the one you know, if you do not love, the Bible says, and this is John, John had direct revelation from Jesus Christ. He says, you walk in darkness and this darkness has blinded your eyes and you do not know where you are going. So now, 
Now, Deuteronomy chapter 28 says one of the curses of not following the law is that you will grow in darkness in noontime. And you will stumble in noontime. It's one of the curses. So if you are benefiting from that curse, that you are constantly stumbling about your future, you do not know what is going on, we need to check back and see which brother or sister I have not forgiven in my life. Because this darkness blinds you. Did I tell you this darkness is not physical but it's spiritual? It's real darkness. It's a real darkness that clouds your eyes. Now, now, if all I can get from, the, from this message is if I can break it down to saying that this light is real, this darkness is real. And we have to be careful to stay with the light. If you start hating your brothers, having grievances against your brothers and complaining against your brothers, brother, there is nobody heard than you. You are walking in darkness. It is blinding you. You do not know what is happening tomorrow. In fact, it says very clearly, he does not know where he is going. Exactly the problem. A lot of us have that. I do not know where I am going. I do not know my future. That's a curse. It is not, oh, I do not know. It's not like, oh, it's not like, a, you know, humble humility. It's a curse. Do not confess curses with your mouth. No, you do not confess. I do not know what my future is. That's a curse. Because you are walking in darkness. You are not being called to walk in darkness. So love your brother. Love your brother. Love your brother. Love your brother. Abide in love. If you can abide in love, you will abide in light. You abide in love. Break it up. The light of Jesus Christ is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And, and the Holy Spirit is very clearly, it's in John chapter, and you can go back, one of the last chapters of John, when he prays for the disciples, he says, the role of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you. He will tell you of the things to come. He will tell you, of, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. How many of you have read that verse? He will take of what is Jesus Christ and declare it to you. He will, what, what, what does that mean? It means that he gives you light. He tells you light over a situation. That means if you have a problem out here, he will give a revelation of Jesus Christ in that particular area and show it to you. And says, now you don't have darkness. He will take of what is, belongs to And Jesus says, I say this because all that the Father has is mine. And therefore he will take all that I have and show it to you. Why will he show it to you? Because it benefits you in your daily walk. That means everything that the father has is now yours. Say it's daylight. You can walk. That's the benefit of daylight. The Holy Spirit is your daylight. Your big halogen focus. What do you Better than halogen now? LED. LED is like, you need this, you know. That beaming light in your life. He will, he will take off what is God, Jesus Christ and show it to you. So you need to have a walk with Him on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit is your key to the light of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is no longer here in this world. Now let me clear theology. Right? It's a fact. Jesus is not here in this world. Jesus Himself said, I will be with you now and then I have to go. So He's now gone. In fact, the disciples were sad that Jesus left. Why? Because their light was leaving. Better I go. Because why? The one who comes, comes with full light. Full light. And he can be everywhere. In fact, Jesus had this problem. He, his miracles mostly, mostly happen only in his proximity. So the woman had to touch her gown. The blind had to feel the clay. The man had to cry out in his presence. Why? 
It's limiting him. It's limiting his miracle. It's limiting his power. But the Holy Spirit cries out in you. Remember the light in you? In you? Jesus Christ. It, through the Holy Spirit is your light in you. And you can walk in it. You can walk in it. You can walk in it all through the life. In fact, Revelation talks about the new Jerusalem. And it says in Je- Revelation chapter 21 verse 23. The city has no need of the sun or the moon. The lamb is its light. Who is the lamb? So, for the first time in Revelation we see the, the God light and the physical light become one. So now you don't, you see that, now you remember that he, why God did not need the sun and the moon in the day one? Because he doesn't need the sun and the moon in day 10 or day 4022 or 1 million. Why? Revelation says in the New Jerusalem there is no sun and the moon. Jesus is the light. Jesus' light glows through that city and light appears everywhere. Exactly why? It proves the point. The sun and moon is not your light. So if you are living by what you see, now that brings the whole point. The Bible says so many times, lift up your eyes and you say lift up your eyes. No, no, no. It is lift up your, open your eyes in your spirit and see. Lift your eyes and you can see. You have to start seeing your spirit, man. See, remember the disciples had this problem during the Lazarus incident? They could not see. But Jesus was constantly seeing. He was constantly seeing in the spirit. He could see. And, and he's saying, Anil, I cannot receive that. You can. You start seeing it. You can see it. He said, no, you can open your eyes. The Holy Spirit has given uh, uh, Paul's plea in Ephesians is, I pray that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened, that you can see. You can see what? You can see your, your eyes have to see. Your eyes. How can a man who dies open his eyes and see? Because it is not this physical eyes. Can a blind see? He can always see. He can see. He can physically. He cannot physically see, but he can. He can still see. He can still see, and still see. The Lamb was its light, and nations shall walk in its light. That's what the Bible says. Promise. Revelation chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-three. Go back and check. Throughout eternity, the nations. There is no light. There is no night. In fact, Revelation chapter twenty-two, verse five says, "There is no more night." Remember, say night. Night has been cleared. Night exists because there is darkness. In the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens, there is no darkness. So one remains, light remains, darkness is taken away. So darkness is spiritual. Darkness is real. I'm telling you, what we studied today is real. This is real. I mean, if you, if you can accomplish so much more stuff when your eyes of your spiritual understanding is open. You can start walking in it. Because... The enemy, the darkness, the dark forces in this world wants, do, do not want you to see. You are too dangerous. You are too dangerous in his eyes when you can start seeing in the spirit. You are too dangerous. Because you can look at people's lives and you can see. And you can prophesy and you can say. You can look at stuff. You can see kingdoms. You can see powers over nations. You can see angelic hosts. You can see ministering spirits. Now what happens is, therefore Simeon could look at a small baby in swaddling clothes, right? And say that this is the light of the world. Why? Because he was seeing a king ruling at the right hand of God. Because he was going past. Anna, the prophetess, looked at the baby Jesus and could see past everything. So they were not looking by 
physical eyes. They saw a baby crying there, creating a disturbance in the temple. I mean, I mean, but they looked past it and they saw my eyes. Remember Simeon's words? What did Simeon say? My eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. What eyes is he saying? He's saying the spiritual eyes. Your eyes, I mean, you all get, we have not even opened our eyes to see the, the powers that are available for you and I. You can start prophesying things into existence because now the Holy Spirit makes, the other day they were showing on TV an emerald as the size, have you seen that thing? A news item, an emerald that's the size of this. It's almost larger than a football, an emerald, emerald. Or larger than a football. They thought it was fake, but they actually tested it and it's real. I mean, a God who can create emeralds like this, and there are stars who are, astrophysicists say there are stars that are the size, the whole star is a diamond. Star, we're talking about, let me give you a perspective. There are 100 billion stars in the Milky Way, and there are 100 billion Milky Ways. This is a fact I checked on Google. <laughs> I checked this year. Just to, just to get the perspective. It's a fact. 100 billion stars in this Milky Way. I mean, just in your vicinity of this star. 100 billion. Check 100 billion. So when, when Jesus said, I will make you as the stars in the sky as sand. I mean, he meant it. He meant it. 100 billion stars in the Milky Way, 100 billion, I mean, no, actually, let me correct myself, there are 100, this is their estimate, right? 130 billion galaxies. And they are, that's an estimate, they don't even know beyond that. And this is just, oh, by the way, this is just in the visible spectrum. Just the visible spectrum. Now they are discovering the invisible spectrum, the, the matter that does not give out light. And we know that there's a lot of that. <laughs> there's a lot of that. We, we are talking about perspective. We are talking about what your eyes that are limited in physical wavelength to see. You have to need the light of Yeshua to live in. And you will become powers that cannot be stopped in this world. And you can do great things. You can see into your children's future way down and prophesy. You can look into your generations way down and prophesy. So David could prophesy that my son will sit on my throne forever. Though he saw a broken Solomon, but he could prophesy. My Lord said to my Lord, wow, where does that come from? Because he was seeing way down. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Now where did Abraham see Jesus? In fact, the Jews were almost about to kill him when he made that statement. He said, you are not even 50 years. Now that proves that he was younger than 50. And yet you say that you saw Abraham. Abraham saw way down. Isaac saw way down. Joseph saw way down. Joseph saw way down. We know that. He said, when you return from the land of Egypt, take my bones with you. Didn't he say that? He said that. How did he know that he will come out of Egypt? They knew. Because they were seeing with an eye that you and I are called to see with. It's a spiritual eyes. It's just this eyes. Eyes. Open your eyes, brother. Say it's daytime. So can you live in the light this 2012? There will be darkness all around. There will be darkness all around. But there will be light in your dwellings. There will be light in your dwellings. Friendly counsel over your tents. And light of gospel over your head. I know it's a lot of time. But it's worth it.
Right? It's worth it. It's light. So let's declare. Let's all stand up. Let's just praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just pray.